0: Taker podcast today is the first of September. We made it through another month. It is and that has been a crazy one, man. It really has. I don't. I don't feel like we stopped moving. And I was gonna say it is. It has been wild. Zach traveled with me last week for work, and we were gonna yeah. do some podcasts. But even even traveling, we somehow made days long. Yeah, <laughs> we we really did not find ourselves with a whole lot of uh, free time. Yeah, yeah. So you gotta love it. Um, but it's definitely glad to be back. It's been like 20 days since we posted our last one. I was, in, mm-hmm. I was at home, uh, and then the other weeks, I think we both were just busy on Sundays. so yeah. I didn't get a record. I was traveling. I was in Ohio one week. Oh, yes. You yeah. went to a wedding?
1: Yep, went to that wedding. It was a lot of fun. Um, but we're glad to be
0: back. We're glad to be doing this again because, I mean, like we've said before, we love this stuff, so. Yep, yeah, and it's had some big things have happened since our last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, as we mentioned in the... The third episode, uh, just a real quick recap, we're going to talk about Netflix, Him and I kind of got into a little uh, debate towards the end there, but I just want to give you a heads up, we're going to put that one in its own individual show, so you can listen to it, it's going to be like 10-15 minutes, and we're going to go in depth of like, the research that we do, and what all we look for when it comes to stuff like that, uh, but today's episode is going to be kind of a fun one, uh, Zach's going to be talking to you. About dividends and quarterly earnings, how to look at those and why we buy certain funds. Uh, you'll hear a lot like ETF funds, Vanguards. Yeah, I mean, those are like just different. The Vanguard itself is just a different, you know, uh, fund, but that's why you'll see a lot of those in like your 401k. And he's gonna explain just quarterly earnings and dividends, so amounts that they push off to you. And then after that, we're gonna talk about when to buy low and sell high. I'll go over just a very short explanation of what it is, how. That strategy has has worked for many people.
1: Perfect. Yeah. So do you want to kick it? I'll kick it off with dividends. Um, I mean, it, it's all um, good basic information here with them. You've probably heard the name thrown around a lot. I know when I was started getting into all this stuff, dividend was probably the most popular buzzword or however you want to say it word that I was hearing um, outside of like the S&P 500, um, but basically what dividends are, they're kind of a reward. They're a reward for you putting your faith in a company that a company then pays out to you in either cash or extra stock. So that's the two types of dividend. You have your cash dividend, and then you have your stock dividend, which is literally they'll just give you more shares into the company, um, and like I said, they're a reward for having faith. So where do you find these? these aren't paid out by what we would classify as growth companies, typically. Growth companies are ones who believe they can take that capital and then just continue reinvesting it and that the value in them reinvesting that capital is greater than the value in them paying you out a dividend. They're found in more of your blue chips. So like IBM is a great example. you've probably heard Alex talk about it before in other episodes where he likes IBM because they're a good dividend stock. And that's very true. They are a great dividend stock. Um, but it's not only stocks that have dividends, it's funds as well. So, stock between the stocks and the funds, you can definitely find some great dividend opportunities for yourself.
0: And this is one thing that we wanna to add to you. So, for the most part, we follow this, like, buy, uh, buy low, sell fine strategy, and that's kind of what we talk about. But there is another strategy is called high dividend strategy and you're essentially just taking your earnings, you're, you're pumping them into stocks, um, hopefully when they're low, like an IBM, but you traditionally don't have to, I mean, it's really completely up to you, and you just try to live off the dividends. And real quick, before he goes into it, I wanna explain, for like an IBM, we'll look at it, uh, them off, again, my Charles Schwab that 4.78% is their annual dividend yield. So quarterly dividend is 62. So if you are a high dividend guy like you want to try to invest your money and make dividends then you're going to invest you know say their shares are uh, 135 you want 10 shares you can get 10 dollars roughly these are just very rough numbers um that's how you're going to do that um
1: and so then noting that let's talk about announcements when these things are announced and important dates that companies are going to list for dividends Um, So the announcement date, this dividends are usually, most of the time, actually we should just say always, announced by company management, but the stipulation on that is they must be approved by the company's shareholders before they can be paid. Mm -hmm. So yes, it'll be announced by the company, but if the shareholders don't approve, it's not going anywhere, it doesn't matter. Uh, The ex-dividend date, this is a really important one that I think anybody should know when they're looking for high dividend stocks uh, because this is when dividend eligibility expires. So, all right, so it's Sunday right now. So if the stock's X date is Monday, then shareholders who buy the stock tomorrow or after that date, they're not gonna qualify to get the dividend. Simple as that. Um, Shareholders then who buy it one business day prior to the X date will receive the business. Or the dividend, yep. So important thing to know because if you're looking at a stock and that X date is approaching, and you really want that dividend, and that's the reason you're looking at that stock, then you either are looking at it for future dividends from that point out, or you should maybe look elsewhere. And I'm only saying that if you're really looking to get a quick hitting dividend on a stock, not you know, um, one that'll be paying out in the future uh, the record date, the cutoff date established by the company in order to determine, uh, which shareholders are eligible to receive payment. So that ties right back into that X date. Uh, and then the payment date, that's everybody's favorite date who is investing in a company that pays out dividends. Um, that's just when they issue the payment of that dividend, which as I mentioned earlier, can either come in cash or it can come in stock. Um, You'll also hear when dividends are announced, the impact of dividends on share price. How many times am I gonna say dividends in this episode? A lot. A mean, lot.
0: When you go off that strategy, that's kind of the main thing that yeah. you look for is just dividends. Right.
1: Um, so the impact on the share price. So let's say a company's stock price is listed at $50. Use easy round numbers here. If they declare a $2 dividend, stock price is probably gonna go up around $2. But then, once the X date hits again, it'll probably come right back down and regulate out again. Mm -hmm. And that's only because when they announce that, everyone who's getting paid that $2, that's being taken into account by every investor on the face of the planet. As soon as that X date hits, people aren't eligible for that extra $2 anymore, so it's gonna bounce back down. Usually, honestly, I would say if it's going up by two or you see a $2 dividend, when it hits the X day, it's probably gonna come down by one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then
0: you'll go return back to normal fluctuation and of the life cycle of that stock. And that's something that, if this is a strategy you're looking towards, something you'll want to consider. Um, the reason why I mention IBM so much is because that's one that I strictly invest in for dividends only. You'll look at that throughout our podcast so far. I only bought it because of the dividends, it has a high dividend, and it's a strong company. Whenever I originally bought it, it was at like 113. It's sitting at 132 now. As Zach just explained to you, I want to make sure I can hit on this. It was at 152 roughly a month ago, uh, give or take just a few extra days. And I watched it jump from 146 to 152. And I'm thinking to myself, like, man, what happened? Who did IBM purchase to go up that high? I had no idea what was running through my head. Mm -hmm. Until the next morning, I woke up and I saw I got paid a dividend. I was like, oh, that's why. I completely forgot about my dates. Usually I have them written written on my calendar, didn't even see them. I was like, geez. And then it dipped right back down to 144. So it was a drastic drop. Right. Um, but that's just because it's a pretty high, heavy hitting thing. But this is something where you might want to consider if you want to do dividends. Also look for you know the uh, buy low, sell high mentality, except just look for the buy low portion of it. So if you can buy a stock like IBM that pays like almost a 5% dividend, purchase it when you think it's at the very, very bottom, and just write it out. I mean, the worst thing that happens is you get something like me where you make $23 a share plus your dividends. That's, in my opinion, that's the best way if you're gonna do it to do it, unless if you are literally flushing millions of dollars in dividends exactly for what he's saying, just to get that 162 per share. Then it's a different story because you're, I mean, you're literally there to hedge 2% on a mill, which is a lot different than trying to take 10,000 and turn it into 30. In, in four or five years. And if you're listening to this, we're not talking about this from the perspective of
1: people who are trying to hedge 2% on a mill. Correct. Like that, that's not <laughs> the
0: volume at
1: which we're trading. That's yeah. honestly, just be frank, not, probably not the volume at which
0: you're trading. And that's definitely, fine. Definitely not. And, and that's fine. Mind. Yeah. This is more or less, we just want to want you to know that, because this is something that you'll see on like Facebook, as books, you'll see a bunch of people that hit really high and you're like, man, they're doing it, I need to be, flipping you know, $20,000, I'm telling you right now, if you do that, you will lose money. And You this will is 100% a, lose money. And this
1: is another moment where we talk about stop the bullshit. Exactly. Stop the bullshit because you're going to see a lot of those same Facebook posts that are like, hey, you can turn 2% and then stack that 2% to another 2%, 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, 2. And they're going to talk about this multiplying scheme that yes. frankly just doesn't exist and isn't feasible to continue doing unless you're spending... It's all your time. Astronomical amounts of money and all right. your time. Every bit of energy that you have,
0: unless you're spending it in that, you are not gonna be hitting on two and just multiplying it over and over and over again. And here's the thing that you also have to know is, yes and no, their theory technically works. But the reason why it doesn't work where we're at is you have $4.95 for every single trade you do. So if you are to do exactly that, you have to guarantee you're making $10. Right. If you bought 10 shares, that's 13 or yeah, that's $1,300 for $1. 62 you you're you're going to make 62, 63 cents at the end of it. Is that actually worth it? No, it's not. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your energy. So no. that's why you have to really understand. It's like, yes, technically that philosophy works, but it works whenever you're able to get $10,000 or something per trade because then you can eat that $10 in, in commission fees. When you're getting, di- when you're Dealing with what we're dealing with, we're, we're trying not to use a lot of money. We're trying to be very realistic based on of what we make compared to what we're putting into our brokerage account. You really have to understand that, yes, I'm putting you know hyphens in the air or parentheses in the air with my finger. You can't see that. I'm saying, yes, it works, but only if you have that kind of cash. Right. The good old air quotes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the good old air quotes. I'm doing it, like thinking that you're watching me. i was like, yeah, you're, you clearly do not see what I'm doing. right. No, they can see us in spirit. They can spirit. see us. That's yeah. right. We, we hope you see that. Yeah, we hope you felt
1: those air quotes yeah. through your speakers. Um, going back, sort of, now that we've we sort of get off on these tangents. Happens yeah. every single episode. Every episode. Um,
0: that's that's 99% me. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're
1: good. Um, so we've talked about dividends a little bit. They come directly out of the company's right. earnings. Yep. And... I, I was told a long time ago, and I'm not going to put the person on blast who told me this, but I, I was told a long time ago, companies don't benefit at all from paying dividends, which I frankly disagree with. I think it builds loyalty towards your stock, which is exactly why they pay them, which is what I'm going to talk about now. So companies pay them as a reward, as I said at the beginning of this, for putting your faith into, for putting your faith into their fund. It's a retention tool. At the end of the day, they're paying out a little bit of money. They're giving you a little bit of extra so you can feel the growth, so you can feel like you're experiencing it along with them. So when they do well, you do well, and it builds this concept of almost trust where you say, I'm part of this. I'm My investment is why this stuff is happening. So, so I like to look at them as a goodwill gesture. They build that loyalty. They build that retention. They build goodwill, and they keep it, you in it, So if the company does experience a little bit of a lapse, they do have a little bit of a hit, you maybe, maybe, and I'm not saying this is for everyone because I'm not one of those people, but maybe you feel a little bit more inclined to hang with them and roll through that tough time. Um, These payments also, they reflect positively in the company. They show a a consumer that a company is doing well and well enough to pay out dividends, and in some case, hefty dividends. And even if it comes in the form of extra stock, that's still showing uh, uh, a lot of positivity and a lot of uh, goodwill for that company. It's also non-taxable income. And that's, I think, the biggest part of this is it's tax-free. They're not, I mean, there's no other way to put it. When you get a dividend, that is tax-free income and investors love that. People in general, frankly, should love that because that means you're keeping all of it. You're not losing anything, you're not paying extra fees on it, it's tax-free income. Um, so that's a very high-level overview. Um, before I hand it off to Alex, we did did wanna touch on uh, quarterly earnings reports and earnings reports in general um, and just sort of what they mean to us. Um, As we talked about last week, or I shouldn't say last week, last episode, we talked about which companies need to report their earnings, who's required by the SEC to publicly disclose that information. Um, You can go back and we give a very detailed look on that. Earnings reports for us though, they're more of a metric for, is this company doing the right things to be successful in the future? Are they putting in enough money? Are they operating at a level to which is a sustainable? Because there are a few companies out there that are getting kind of slammed because people are going, well, how sustainable is this in the future? Tesla is one of those where they haven't turned a profit. They just keep losing money. So there's a lot of speculation on this. How sustainable is this going into the future? Is it sustainable? Is the growth continuing? Because you can compare earnings reports quarter over quarter. And is this something that I should get on now because this is about to explode? Now it's kind of hard sometimes to look at these reports and really nail down a concrete analysis on it. But if you take your time you look through them a little bit, even if you just compare like revenues quarter over quarter, year over year, however you want to do it, you can see growth you can spot it very easily. And so, when I'm talking about quarterly earnings reports and when I'm talking about these kind of, this financial analysis, I'll categorize it as, that's why we're looking at it. Because we're looking to see, is this company going to keep making money in the future? Mm-hmm. Are they worth putting money into their stock right now? Because the last thing we wanna do, and Alex is gonna talk about it when we talk about buy low, sell high, buy a company that was high, and then they die off. We've all been there, and it sucks. But, sometimes that's what happens, and understanding these, I mean, just going through the income statement, the balance sheet, and the cash flow statement, if you familiarize yourself with those a little bit, just the vocab, honestly, go through, look at the words on those sheets, understand what they mean, just do vocabulary quizzes. And it'll help you get a better understanding so that when you go through, say, the income statement, you can just rip through it and you know what each one of those categories are, you know what they mean, and you know what they mean relative to the company's success. With that being said, we're gonna pass it off to Alex because now he's gonna talk about the biggest nightmare in all of stock investing, which is buying high and having to sell low, Or the biggest plus in all the stock industry, which is buying low and selling high.
0: Yep. So, I mean, I think that's like the main thing here. Um, We try our hardest to do all of our research to buy low, sell high. And just a real quick example of what that is, or an explanation of what buy low, sell high. It is kind of your, I want to say, your basic uh, formula for stock investing you try to find a stock that's at the bare low. So at the lowest you think it's going to be or what you think the market's going to hold for them. And then at what point should you sell it to get the best return on your investment? So at what point is it technically the highest in that market? Um, and I think the thing that we kind of experience and that a lot of others experience is whenever you buy a stock and it's and it's high, and then it does the complete opposite, it dips down, and then it's at the bare minimum, you're at the very, very low, and you had to sell off. So, my first thing that I would say is, when the only time you technically lose money in the stock is when you sell, technically. I say that because you see companies that go out of business completely, and then they're done, so, I mean, you really had no choice, but. And wrong. Yeah, exactly, so I think, to our standards, the only time you lose money is when you sell. So half the time, if we are in that situation, we'll write it out. GE, GE, GE. I mention them in almost every single episode because I've made a lot of money off them and I have lost a good chunk of change, technically, but I'm not going to sell it. So you hear all the stuff going out right now and their stocks, again, starting to dip down, starting to drop because they've had air quotes and throwing this up. Uh, fraudulent accounting numbers. The reason why I say, you know, air quotes fraudulent, is because we, I mean, we're not one hundred percent set stone yet. They haven't made an actual announcement showing that that was one hundred percent correct. They're still being investigated and everything. But you see it dip down, and that sometimes it's going to hold off. I'm not going to sell. I don't want to lose. I mean, some people be like, oh man, you know, you might lose an entire ten dollars a share whenever if they go out of business. Or you do in my philosophy is, I'm just going to hold it. I'll take that risk. I, it's, a, it's a very conservative, smart thinking risk because the blue chip. I mean, they have so many different avenues of, of revenue that I do not see them physically ever going out. They're not like a JCPenney's. Right. They're not like a, well, Macy's not going out this, I'm just saying. They're not like one of those retail brick and mortar stores that's actually losing sales and you can track it. I mean, these guys make so much money in different avenues. There a lot of people just don't pay attention to it, so and you have happening. enough faith in them as a consumer to maintain that trust and ride the storm out. Exactly, and exactly, and then I'm going to use them as my example for buy low, sell high. Mm-hmm. So I watched them. I've been watching them since I was a kid. I was always told that GE is a strong company. That's kind of why I'm a firm believer in them. I mean, we had family members that worked for the manufacturing aspect of it. I just, I just truly like that company. I watched them dip down to four dollars. Some odd sense not too long ago. This is at the beginning of 2019. They were, they were at their bare low. So I bought a bunch of them. I was like, okay, again, a blue chip stock like this does not fail, right? And again, I, I want you to think that is a very positive way of me saying that. I'm not an optimist, so I to think positivity. But a company like that is not going to just out of nowhere next day, boom, out of business, mm-hmm. right? So I invest a lot of money into them. I bought a bunch of shares at $4. I sold every single one of them once it hit 11, every single one of them. And that was within, I think that was a six month difference. And when I say 11, it's 10.58, I think is when I got out. Mm -hmm. But I got rid of every single one of them because that's the greatest example, right? That you buy a low, you sell high. So whenever you're looking at the actual um, line graph, if that's what a lot of people are gonna be checking out, you're gonna look and try to figure out when their big dip is. So what I like to do, and this is something we kind of mentioned, is that coffee cup effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we say it a good amount, but it literally looks like a coffee cup. If you look at a graph, you, you see it go really high, it dips down, and then it goes back up middle, kind of, kind of like the middle of the road to where that actual high was. That's your coffee handle, and then it dips right back down to be the bottom part of that coffee cup, and then it starts to dip back up. Now whenever I start doing that, my buy low, sell highs, Once it hits that bottom part of that coffee cup and I start purchasing, I'm gonna sell more or less when it's halfway to the other point of where that coffee handle was. So if you look at a graph, uh, go to Google, type in Netflix, click on their five year, you can see it at the beginning of 2019. It dips down on December 28th, that's at its lowest. If we're being completely honest, I probably would have went in around December 7th I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the benefit of the doubt, and I'll say I lost an extra twenty bucks there because that's where I would have assumed it would have hit its lowest. Of course, we're looking at Netflix. Um, yeah, it's just because we've been researching it so much that so it's really easy to see that graph, and then you see it at January 11th dips up to three thirty seven. That is exactly give or take a few dollars. That's where I would have dipped out all of it just because it's halfway to where it was at you know three seventy four, which is right where the end point of the coffee handle was. I would have dipped out halfway up just because I'm content with that earnings. That's, that's the part where you can't be greedy for the buy low, sell high strategy. You have to realistically understand that that is literally almost almost a 14% increase. I would dip every single thing at that point because I know at 14%, I'm very confident in that. And a lot of money managers only guarantee you 6 to 8%. So I know that's a win to me. I don't have to be the guy that gets 27 28 Right. Percent or even some of the penny stocks where you get a thousand plus percent. Realistically, I, I, I'm very happy with 14% gain over anything. Of course. So that's where my strategy for the buy low, sell high. Now, some of you are probably thinking, well, what about cryptocurrency and penny stocks? Zach and I laugh at both of them every single time we talk on an episode just because we are not believers in cryptocurrency. And penny stocks, I'm kind of against it, but I have some, so it's very hypocritical for me to sit here and say don't do it because I do it. Yeah, because that's the sexy part. We should, all right. We should clarify
1: a little bit here too. Mm-hmm. It's not that we don't have faith in smaller companies or that we don't think these things could make money. We know that they could make money, but Alex and I are both—I would almost say—overly conscious when we invest. And we don't love risk. Like, my goal is not to just start gambling and throwing it all on red and seeing what happens, which I have seen people do and I have friends that have done, which we won't even get into how dumb of a strategy that is. (laughs) (laughs) You might, you just saw the look on my face change and I
0: I can't can't, handle it. I wish you could see it because it's just just dumb about it. It, The jaw drops.
1: Yeah. It's not that we don't have any belief that you could make money doing it, it's that we don't see it as viable and sustainable. And so when people are talking about, oh, well, I'm, I'm underwater on these cryptocurrency, bets. yeah, you are, because you tried to buy Bitcoin, a 25th of a Bitcoin at 19K, and now that wasn't sustainable, so you're way underwater. Mm -hmm. So that's it. That's that's the small tangent, the small rant on why I get so stressed out when people are like, um, so should I put a lot of money in Bitcoin or Litecoin or any of this, whatever next coin comes out that I can't wait to see? Um, That's why. It's not safe. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. (laughs) You can do it, but do it at your own risk. Right.
0: And I mean, you hit on a really good point that I think hopefully we can kind of get off to you. Right now, my portfolio is not doing well because this big dip that just happened a few weeks ago. I am at 3% below, so I'm not even in the green right now. I'm not a positive, I am, I have lost money. I've lost roughly $900 when you look at it in the entire uh, portfolio, which isn't bad. I mean, like I said, it's only a few percent. But that doesn't stress me out. That makes me, I'm still confident in everything, right? Now, if you were to do that in Bitcoin or what, I'm drawing a blank on the other cryptocurrency that's out yeah, there. Lithic Coin. the Coin, stuff like that. They have a dip every now and again. It's like next day for 34 to almost 100% dip. That stresses me out. That's kind of the main reason why we like investing. This is our hobby. We love it. It's, again, it's like that sexy part of business. It's always fun. You're making money. But I also think that you shouldn't be stressed out every day over your hobby, right? Oh, I agree. So that's kind of why, I mean, he mentions it. It's not that we don't think that it's going to succeed or anything, but it's more or less like a, do I want to live every single day stressed for one day of like a really good high? No, I don't because I like this too much and that would make me get out. Or when we talked about stability and those those
1: crashes where you see where things go completely under, Mm -hmm. that is way, way less likely to happen with the companies that we invest in with a cryptocurrency it could happen overnight. You don't know. You yeah. truly don't know. You could wake up and every dollar that you invested in, it could be just gone. Yeah, And that is
0: just the nature of the game with that. Don't like it. Don't no. like it at all. No, penny, penny stocks as well. I mean, what you have to understand is you don't have to be a full on company to have penny stock. When I say that, you know, go back to the Wolf of Wall Street, the movie, and they do it as a joke because it's so true. Of uh, let's invest in this rocket company that's trying to see the moon. And then they show that company that's in someone's garage that's mm-hmm. in the middle of a very, not I I'm not going to say lower spectrum, but it's in just a very dungy area that you see in that movie. And that, I mean, that's, that's probably not 100% true in there. And they kind of definitely made that Hollywood, but it is moderately true in that aspect. When I'm saying that is they are not in a huge headquartering, you know, facility somewhere in an area that's meant for uh, business acceleration. They're, they could be in someone's apartment room that's blocked off to look like an office and now they're a corporation. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say is, yes, you know, Steve Jobs did it, Bill Gates did it, I call all these guys did that, but they are such a small percentage, few in a million, I'd rather wait until that penny stock turns into a $20 stock and go from there. It's like, yeah, you could have bought Google at, at you know the bare minimum, and then sold it for a few hundred dollars and made thirty thousand percent gain or something. I just rather wait until it's you know it, it's hitting really well and buy it at twenty to fifty dollars and sell it at three hundred. Again, it goes back to the fact that hey, I see it it is now an actual uh, stock that a lot of people are, are investing in. and they're, they're hedging. They're kind of placing their bets and everything. I'd rather start there. So, but if you do do it. Um, It's kind of tough to do the buy low so high uh, strategy because you don't exactly know because they're kind of new. If I were to help you out though, I would say for me, I've invested in PHOT, the pot company. I I bought it just because (coughs) of how funny I thought the name was. Again, I mentioned that in one of the last episodes. But whenever you look at it, it is a true penny stock to the point where it was a penny for a share and you look in the percent of a penny that it cost, if that's how you're going to do it. I would try to get something when it's under the 50% part. So if it's under 0.00 or 0.005, so half of a penny, that's kind of when I'll start purchasing because that gives you a lot of layaway for if it does hit a penny, then you can flip it for a double. Um, but again, I mean, those are pretty tough to kind of keep your eyes on because I'll keep on opening, up, opening them up for investors. If you are to do it though, that's kind of where I look for my standards for the buy low, just because, like I said. I think this company was only, I think it's under two years it has been open for, for the public. Don't quote me on that, I still have to go back and really look into that. But when I bought it, it dipped under that 0.5 and that's why I purchased it. So if you're to do that strategy, more power to you. I mean, that's, that's that sexy part that if you do hit, I mean, you're gonna get some pretty crazy returns and you can be the next dude that writes a book and I see you on Facebook and then we talk about you instead to making fun of you. <laughs> um, because you had one hit of, you know, 50,000 that you probably lost. However, I attest that is uh, that aspect. So that's kind of the rough overview, just to buy, buy low, sell high. I mean, it's very explanatory. It is the number one method we use here. I would say my portfolio is 100% buy low. Um, now for the sell high portion, I would say 60% of it is there. What I'm saying there is I'll buy a stock to sell it. The other 40% are just sitting there for dividends or I see growth that they're gonna be in the next, you know, five to six years, whatever type of fund it might be. I'll do it that way too, but I'm definitely still gonna try to keep my own and buy a little. Other than that, Zach, do you have anything else that you wanna to, want to chime in? Or no, say? I,
1: I don't. I mean, just stay tuned for, if you are interested in hearing what we think, that whole Netflix versus Disney Plus debate, Alex and I are sort of on opposite ends of the pan on that one. Yeah, Um That's gonna and be a so, good one.
0: That's gonna be the fun part that we're we're hoping to start doing with our podcast. Yeah. and like I said, the first few episodes are just mainly to get a, an overview for beginners, an information base for y'all. Yeah, and this is this is the part that we're like super excited about. This is why we wanted to do this podcast, is so we can talk like aggressive towards why we're thinking on like each one. Right. Um, so it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be sexy you definitely should listen to it because we're talking numbers. That's what I mean by sex. We're talking the things that we love the most. We're talking growth. We're talking what's going to tank, what's not going to tank. So I'm super stoked for it. And more so,
1: we're talking what we believe is going to hit. We're putting our bets on the
0: table for you to see Uh and really showing you our cards on this one. And we're hoping, I mean, this is the part where we're hoping we can help you. This is the main reason, you know, why we're doing this, why we're going out to let you listen to this. I mean, we want you to be very confident in what you purchase. We're going to give you um, the both ends of the spectrum. Is that thing going to actually hit or not? It's not going to be a 30 second clip from Bloomberg and you're just like, okay. At the end of that 30 seconds, I still have no idea, but I've had a dude yell at me for 30 straight seconds. So I might buy it. This is going to be an actual overview. We're going to tell you why we're doing it. We did our research. So stick stick to it, stay in there Uh, just real quick. The next episode is just gonna be when to look for a buy. So we're gonna go more in depth about when to buy a certain stock. Kind of play more into like the political effects of do politics weigh onto a stock and if so, how's it dip? We're gonna kind of combine everything we mentioned so far with earnings. We're gonna look at a report and we're gonna analyze exactly why we'll probably have a stock in mind. We'll read through their report and we'll say when it's gonna be a good buy based off of future uh, earnings. And we'll also be uh, throwing in what brokers we use, what brokers others use, what brokers we recommend, and their appropriated fees, so like the trade fee. And that's pretty much it, so stick tuned. Thanks for listening, we appreciate it. And as always, keep living it. See ya.